0: Okay, so here we are. Acts chapter 14, we are, been, we are halfway home now. We are now halfway through the book of Acts. We've been doing this series for like 14 weeks now, uh, and you think it's felt long to you. Imagine being the guy who does this every week. No, I, I tell you what, this has been a fascinating series for me, uh, just getting back to what uh, happened in the early church and how things got started. This has been a fascinating series, a fascinating study for me just to get back to the core of Of what church is supposed to look like and how the early church was led and how the early church functioned. Um, We've been studying the book of Acts here for, like I said, for 14 weeks now, and we've been talking about how God unleashed his church. Uh, into the world, how he unleashed the apostles, how he unleashed his word, how he unleashed his spirit, uh, and how he unleashed his church. And that's the title of this series. It's called Unleashed. Uh, And we want to be unleashed Christians. We want God to unleash us into the world to make a difference for Jesus Christ. Uh, So we started this series back uh, in early May, uh, and we're taking it one chapter per week for 28 weeks till we get through the entire book of Acts. Um, now, Uh, If you haven't joined us yet, the reason that we're doing this is we are learning first century principles of how to do church that we can apply to the 21st century. The first century Christians, those who led the early church, were led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do incredible things for Jesus Christ, to spread his message, to spread his love, and to spread the good news about Jesus. And that's what we want to do. We want to be spirit-empowered Christians who will take the good news of Jesus Christ out into the world to share his love, to share his story, so that more people will believe and put their faith and trust in Christ for salvation. That's what we want to do. And so, like I said, we've been going through the book of Acts uh, for 14 weeks now. we got 14 more to go. We'll be in Acts 15 next week and go all the way up through the early part of December, and then we'll celebrate Christmas and hopefully... Everything's going to be back to somewhat normal by then when we celebrate Christmas, and 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 we'll we'll see. But here's the thing, you know what? Mm, uh, soapbox for just a second. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if things ever get back to normal or not. And I know that sounds weird, right? It's like, no, we want things to get back to normal. I want things to be better than what normal was before. I want things to get back to better. How, can we can we commit to that? Can we pray for that? Maybe things can be better, not just normal, but things can be better. Like people can. Uh, Learn to appreciate things more. Like like for Christians, especially for Christians, we should appreciate our church family more than we did before. We should not take things for granted like we've done before. We should not take things flippantly like we did before. Let's commit ourselves as a church to being better, to getting back to better instead of just getting back to normal. I think that's a, a... a goal that we should keep in mind. Let's let's do that. Let's get back to better, before we get back to normal. Does that make sense? Okay, I hope so. Because man, I, I don't know where that came from, but I asked God to give me words to say, and there it came. So, um, so we're in Acts chapter fourteen. If you have a Bible, grab your Bible. Turn to Acts chapter fourteen. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can always use one on your phone, like Bible Ver- Bible Gateway or U Version. You can look up the. Uh, the Bible passages there, or even better, you can use the GFCC app on your phone or tablet uh, by going to your app store and searching for GFCC, uh, and you can download the GFCC app to your phone and follow along with the sermon notes. This sermon is called "Mission Accomplished," and it's about the very end of Paul and Barnabas's first uh, missionary journey and how they accomplished what God had told them to go out and do. Uh, Paul took several other missionary journeys, and we'll get into those over the next coming weeks. So last week we were in Acts chapter 13 uh, and we saw uh, how uh, Paul and Barnabas were sharing the good news and everywhere they went, they were sharing the good news about Jesus. And I encouraged you last week to pray for someone, pray for one person five times in the last week. I'm not going to ask you if you did that. I'm going to put it on the honor system, trust that you did. But if you didn't continue, then, then commit yourself to doing that this week. Pray for one person five different times in the coming week. And praying for an opportunity to share your faith with somebody. To pray for an opportunity to share the good news. Whether it's inviting somebody to come to church. Whether it's uh, telling your testimony. Giving your story about how Jesus has made a difference in your life. Whatever it is, pray for that person Five times this coming week, pray for that one person five times this coming week and keep looking for opportunities to share the good news about Jesus and what a difference he makes, not only in this life, but for eternal life. Okay. So I want to encourage you to keep doing that. If you started praying for somebody, keep praying for that person. I heard Lee Strobel in a sermon once say that if, if God were to answer all the prayers you prayed in the affirmative that you prayed the last week, would anybody be in heaven? would anybody else be on their way to heaven? We should pray for people who don't know Jesus and pray that they come to know Jesus Christ as their savior. Okay. Uh, I got a, a great story. Uh, last well, last Sunday morning, we had a baptism after the 11 o'clock service. A friend of mine got baptized, been praying for his salvation for a long time, praying that he would come to make that decision to get baptized. And he called me up last week and said, I want to do it Sunday morning after 11 o'clock. And Sure enough, Sunday morning after 11 o'clock, we had a baptism last week. We've had 24 baptisms this year, which is awesome. Uh, But there's plenty more to come. There's plenty more to come, plenty more people to reach. So even like we've we've been saying all along, even in the midst of the the pandemic, God is still doing God things. Because God never ceased being God. God never stopped sitting on his throne. He never said, oh, no, there's a pandemic. What am I going to do? He knows what he's doing. And God is still doing God things. And he's still doing them at GFCC. And we're going to let him keep doing those things. Amen? All right. Acts chapter 14. Uh, We ended up last week with the uh, apostles, uh, Paul and and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas left the city of Pisidian Antioch, they shook the dust from their shoes uh, to say, we're done with you guys, because they rejected the message of Jesus, and then they went to, they were going to the city of Iconium. Iconium is about 80 miles away from Pisidian Antioch, and that's where we arrive, that's where we begin, where Paul and Barnabas go into a Jewish synagogue on the Sabbath to start talking about Jesus the Messiah. The Jews, the reason they went into the synagogue was because the Jews and those Gentiles who had converted to the Jewish faith uh, would have had something in common with Paul and Barnabas. A, they were uh, monotheistic, unlike the Greeks and Romans around them who were polytheistic, meaning they worshiped many gods. Uh, the, The Jews and the Gentile converts to the Jewish faith only worshipped the one true God. So they had that in common. Also, the Jews and the Gentile converts were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. The Messiah had not come. They, they did not believe the Messiah had come yet. But Paul and Barnabas knew the Messiah had come and his name was Jesus. So they go to Iconium and look at chapter 14, verse 2. It says, the Jews who refused to believe stirred up uh, the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. And so though they, when they went to the synagogue, they started telling people about Jesus. And people put their faith in Jesus. And they believed in Jesus. They got baptized and all that good stuff. Um, but the, there were some uh, people who were trying to poison the minds of the Gentiles and the other Jews. Uh, and uh, to try and turn them against Paul and Barnabas. Verse 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there in Iconium, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do, to perform signs and wonders. And here's the thing. Somebody asked me this question recently uh, about signs and wonders in the Bible and in the book of Acts. Like, why can't we do those today? The purpose of signs and wonders in the the book of Acts, is to confirm the gospel, to confirm the message. And there's an important concept there that we need to remember, that as Christians, we need to look for ways that we need to live in such a way that it confirms our message, that it confirms the good news of Jesus. It confirms the gospel. We may not be performing miracles. We're going to see that Paul did one in the next city that they went to. We may not be able to do miracles, but I'm telling you right now, if we're living a lifestyle that is inconsistent with the gospel, People are not going to believe it. If we live in such a way that is diametrically opposed to the good news of Jesus Christ, people will not believe the good news of Jesus Christ. They just won't believe it. It's like when you tell somebody Jesus makes a difference in your life, but it doesn't look like Jesus makes a difference in your life, they're not going to believe you. If you tell them that Jesus gives you joy and you walk around miserable all the time, they're not going to believe you. If you tell them that Jesus gives purpose and meaning to your life and all you do is gripe on Facebook about how your life is purposeless and meaningless, what are you doing? Our testimony has to confirm the good news. And that's what the purpose of miracles was in the book of Acts, was to confirm the good news. Okay, Uh, Look at verse 5. So some people were siding with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them, Paul and Barnabas, and stone them. So they were going to try and kill Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas learn about the the threat, and they leave. Uh, They they leave the city of Iconium, and they go to the city of Lystra, which was straight down south of Iconium. And they go to Lystra, uh, and they were going to go there, and they see a man who was born crippled. He's never walked a day in his life. And they go up to this man, they start talking to him. Paul's talking to the man, um, and he finds out that he has faith, and that he believes. And Paul tells him, get up and walk. This man has never walked in his life and I still I want to know what that looks like. If you've never taken a step in your life and the first time somebody says to you get up and walk and you get up and start walking. I mean, what does that look like? Is it like, you know, like Bambi? You know the the uh, Or is it just like supernaturally enabled to walk? Cuz I know when I was teaching my kid to walk, my kid turns 14 Monday. <laughs> <sighs> 14. Where's the time going? Um, But when he was learning how to walk, he would like take two steps and then fall down. Did that, was that this guy? Did he take two steps and fall over? And Paul's like, no, it's okay. Get back up and try again. The guy's like, I don't think I want to. He starts walking around and people are astonished and amazed. Look at verse 11, chapter 14, verse 11. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. This is crazy. So, Paul heals this man, and everybody starts to uh, think that Paul and Barnabas are Greek gods come down from heaven to live among the people. And they call Barnabas Zeus, who was the father of the gods, and they called Paul Hermes. And Hermes was uh, Zeus's number one attendant, he was Zeus's attendant. And so they, they figured that since uh, Hermes, the, the spokesman of the gods, the, the attendant to Zeus, um, since he since Paul was him, that must make Barnabas Zeus. Now, the city of uh, Lystra had lots and lots of pagan temples in it, including one right out the, outside the city that was a, t- a pagan temple to Zeus, uh, the father of the gods. And so, like, the priest of Zeus comes running into the city with bulls and wreaths. Like, he took time to make wreaths and and to prepare bulls. And he's going to bring them. And they're going to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas right there in the middle of the city. And Paul and Barnabas tear their clothes in in shock and in horror. They're like, no, 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 no. We are not gods. We are just ordinary people just like you. We are ordinary dudes. Don't sacrifice anything to us. And they start talking about the one God true God. They used this opportunity that presented itself to talk about the one true God. And it said the people, they, they didn't want anything to do with it. They didn't want any, anything to hear, but they, they were still wanting to sacrifice uh, to Paul and Barnabas. Um, we flip over to the next passage where it, we find out that some of the Jews from this previous cities, Pisidian Antioch, and, and from Iconium come down to Lystra as well. Look at verse 19. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples gathered around him, and that means that they got around him to pray for him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. So you've got Paul and Barnabas, who uh, the, the Jews come from Iconium and Antioch to stir up trouble for them. And it's like, we didn't stone you back in Iconium. We're going to stone you here in Lystra. And that's exactly what they did. They took rocks and they threw them uh, at Paul uh, to the point where they thought that he was dead. And they dragged him outside the city and left him for dead. But the believers gathered around him and they prayed for him. And miraculously, he recovered completely, gets up and walks Back into the city, the city of the people who just tried to kill him. Paul is a stubborn man. Paul is a man. No comment on stubbornness. So... They go to the city of Derby, which was southwest of Lystra, and they go there and they preach the gospel and they share the good news about Jesus with everybody in Derby. And then it says that they return to Lystra, so they 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 kind of backtrack. They go from Derby back to Lystra, back to Iconium, back to and Antioch, and they they're going there to strengthen the new believers and to encourage the new believers uh, because there was a lot of hostility toward the gospel in these cities. Look at verse twenty-two. I love this. Strengthening the, the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. This is what they said. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Man, if you got a highlighter or a pen or something, just underline that verse right there. If it's your Bible. If it's not your Bible, then maybe don't do that. But we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. You know, I, I tell you right now, there's, there's like an hours long sermon in that verse right there. Not now, but like, you know, another day. But think about that. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So many people want the easy way. We want Christianity light. We want, you know, just an easy path. We we wanna we wanna just get the easy path right into heaven. We must enter Endure many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Think about that this week when you're going through a rough time. We must go through many. We'll talk about it more here in just a second. Well, it says they went back to, through the way that they came, and they sailed from uh, they went from Antioch to uh, Italia. Look at verse 26. From Italia they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. They're going back to Syrian Antioch. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how they had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Now, I want to backtrack just a second to that verse, Acts 14, 22. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And I want to talk about three hardships that you're going to face as a follower of Jesus. There are three hardships that you will face as a follower of Jesus. First, you will face troubles as a follower of Jesus. You will face troubles as a follower of Jesus. The Greek word for troubles is a word that means affliction. It means oppression. It means distress. As a follower of Jesus, you will face troubles. They may be various kinds of troubles. They may be Physical troubles like diseases. We're kind of facing one right now in the world. You may face diseases. And, And you may think that as a follower of Jesus, you shouldn't have to face diseases. Nope, we all get sick. Everybody gets sick in one way or another. You will face diseases, even though you're a follower of Jesus. You may face financial hardships as a follower of Jesus. Uh, you, You may face financial hardships because you choose to live with integrity as a follower of Jesus. You may face financial hardships because you make different choices than other people make with your money. Like tithing, like giving to the church. You may face financial hardships because you don't spend your money the way other people spend their money. And it may make you a little nervous. It may make you worried. It may make you scared. Know that God's got you and that he will provide for you, and that you can trust him. You may face religious oppression. You may face religious persecution. You will face troubles as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. No matter what troubles you may face as a follower of Jesus, Jesus has overcome those troubles and he has overcome the world. And if you stand with Jesus, you will overcome the world as well. You will face troubles as a follower of Jesus. Secondly, you will face trials as a follower of Jesus. You will face trials as a follower of Jesus. There's a word, uh, the Greek word for trials used in the New Testament is a word that means temptations. As a follower of Jesus, you will face temptations. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you'll face temptations. It's just you won't fight them as, as hard as you would as a follower of Jesus. But as a follower of Christ, you will face temptations. You will be tempted to do the wrong thing. You have a spiritual enemy. Every single one of us has a spiritual enemy. It's the devil. Okay. And the devil wants, it. he's not going to try and convince you that God doesn't exist. He's not going to try and convince you. He's not going to try and get you to become an atheist. But I'll tell you what he will try and convince you to do He can try and convince you that you don't need God. Oh, you can believe in God, but as long as you're not trusting him, uh, you can believe in God as long as you're not following him. As long as you're not actually living for Jesus, you can believe whatever you want, but as long as you're not living for Jesus, the, the, then the devil's winning you will face trials of temptation you will face trials of sin you know i was reading into like i told you earlier tonight i was reading about some statistics about people tuning into online worship people actually returning to church and like some of like 50% of people are not 50% of christians aren't watching online and they're not coming to church it's actually like 70% of people aren't coming to the buildings. And I get it, you know, a little nervous, sure. But they're not tuning into the online options either. And so here's the problem. I saw this online a couple weeks ago. The problem with missing church is soon you won't. Think about that for a second. The problem with missing church is soon you won't. Miss church. The devil's not going to try and convince you that God doesn't exist. He's going to try and tell you that you can't do, that you can do life without Him. That you'll be just fine. Well, I mean, you know, seriously, I mean, does God really need you to go to church? Wouldn't you rather? Isn't it more important to spend time with your family? Isn't it more important for for this or is it more important for that? What could be more important? Then gathering with brothers and sisters in Christ to worship the Lord. Whether we do it virtually or whether we do it in, on, uh, in person. What can be more important than being encouraged by one another? Being encouraged by his word? Being challenged to live for Jesus each and every day? The devil going to come against you and he's going to tempt you in a variety of ways. And it's for one purpose and that is to draw you away from your Savior as a Christian, you will face trials. You will face troubles, you will face trials, and you will face tests as a follower of Jesus. You will face tests as a follower of Jesus. Your faith will be tested, and God will allow tests of your faith to prove its genuineness, to prove that your faith is authentic, God will allow your faith to be tested. You will face tests as a follower of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I could use a break. Anyone? Use a break? Okay, Lord, I know you think I'm strong. And I know you think I can handle this. But I can't. And that's just a reminder to me that I can't handle it without him. Man, the, 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 what's the, the thing that we always say to people? The well, Lord won't give you anything more than you can handle. That's not true. That is not true. God won't give you anything you can't handle without him. He, he, won't give you, he will not allow you to go through stuff that, that you can handle without him. It's always to push us back to him, to draw us closer to him. Our faith is tested to prove it's genuine, to prove it's authenticity, so that we put our faith in him. Our faith is not in ourselves. I know myself way too well. that If I had to put faith in myself, if I had to believe in myself, oh man, I'd be in trouble. I am in trouble. Because there are times I think I can do it. There are times I think, oh, I can do this. i got enough faith in myself to do this. No. That's not helping anybody. My faith, when it's tested drives me to the arms of my Savior. So I want to encourage you with four words. Just four words. When you face troubles, trials, and tests, these four words, do not give up. Do not give up. Because you're going to be tempted to give up. You're going to be tempted to say, you know what, it's just not worth it. The trials, the troubles, the tests, it's too much. I don't know that I want to follow Jesus anymore. Do not give up. Do not give up on your faith. Do not give up on your Lord. Do not give up on your calling. Do not give up on your family. Do not give up on Jesus. Because he went all the way to the cross, my friends. He went all the way to the cross and he did not give up on you. Do not give up on him. Do not give up. And this is what Jesus' brother James. This is what he said in James chapter 2 verses 2 chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. He said, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many Kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That if you want to grow spiritually, you've got to go through the troubles, the trials, and the tests. You cannot grow without troubles, trials, and tests. You cannot grow unless you go through the troubles, the trials, and the tests. And what happens is when you go through those things, when we go through those troubles, trials, and tests, God strengthens us. It's kind of like exercise, or like what I hear exercise is like. Um, like when you exercise, it, it, strengthens, it strengthens you, right? But it hurts. It, it hurts to go through the, the exercise. And I, I know that like... About January of every year, everybody's like, man, I should probably get in shape. And they go and join a gym, you know. And, and they, they have a 12-month gym membership that they use twice. Um, and, and But like the first time you go and you start, I'm going to lift some weights. I'm going to do some curls. And you start curling, you know. And you're like, That yeah, feels good. All right. Mm-hmm. You look in the mirror. Mm. Anyway, and then like the next day you wake up and you can't move your arms past here. I'm the only one. No. Why? Because... You're strengthening. It it hurts to go through the strength training. It hurts. And so when you go through the troubles, the trials, and the tests, it may hurt a little bit. But you will grow because of it. And James says, consider it pure joy. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And just know that when you go through those hardships, the kingdom of God is on the other side, waiting for you.